It was 10 years ago at, a, at a, our mission celebration that we first got to know uh, Jamie Kemp. And when Jamie came into, uh, into, the, into our, to a discussion with me and Renee, uh, I just remember when we, lo- when we left, us just looking at each other and going, uh, we want to partner with this guy. There was just something about his passion, something about his vision for what God wanted him to do that just resonated so clearly with us. And now he's been serving in Indonesia. Okay, he's going to do that better for you in just a second. Uh, for 10 years. And we're so thrilled to have him and Tosh and their family with us this week. And I just want you to welcome uh, Jamie as he comes to share with us today. You're going to be blessed by this word. Jamie, come on up and share with us this morning. Okay, one, one, one time, Indonesia. Indonesia. I love All it. Right. I just love it. Hey, good morning. Thank you, Pastor. Man, it's great to see you guys here this morning. My name is Jamie. I am your missionary to the country of Indonesia. Man, what a, what a great opportunity to be here with you guys. Um, and man, isn't it great being a part of a church that believes in reaching the neighborhoods as well as the nations? Right? There, there's something significant about saying, man, we believe in, in reaching our neighbors, our co-workers to be an influence in our schools, in our community, but, but at the same time, we have an eye to the nations as well, right? Like, that, that we believe that, that, that we want to reach out, that, that the whole earth have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And that's, that's the kind of church this is. It says that we want to reach our Jerusalem as well as to the, to the, the most remote parts of the world. And so, man, it is with great joy that I, that I come before you guys and say, man, thank you for being a church that believes in the neighbors, reaching your neighbors as well as the nations. And uh, thank you, Pastor Mark and Pastor Renee. Um, man, it was, uh, it was 10 years ago that I uh, arrived here at Calvary Springfield um, um, as a know-nothing young missionary. And well, now I'm a balding, older, uh, <laughs> know-nothing missionary. Um, but meeting with uh, Pastor Mark and Pastor Renee, that, man, this was really the church, and they were really the two that really launched us into a lot of the success that we're having in Indonesia today. And so I can't, I can't thank them and this church enough for 10 years ago believing in us and uh, the incredible things that God is doing in Indonesia. Well, are you ready for a great sermon? Amen. Well, make sure you're here next week, all right? Because that video was awesome, all right? I want to come back next week, all right? Because you're going to, I'm sure you're going to, this week, you're stuck with me, all right? So, so uh, turn to the person next to you and say, Indonesia. Now, most people don't even know where this country is, all right? So, so let me give you a quick geography lesson in case you didn't know. Um, we've got, if we've got India right here and Australia right here, India, Australia, the 17,000 islands, 17,000 islands between India and Australia, that's the country of Indonesia. Now turn to the person next to you and say, Indonesia, Indonesia, because now you know where it is. When you walked in, you were like, Indo what? Indochina? What, what is that? So Indonesia, that's the country my wife and I and our two little ones are your missionaries to that country. But here's the interesting thing about Indonesia. Is Indonesia is, uh, is the fourth largest country in the world. 
I mean, most of us know about the three biggest countries in the world, right? We know that, that China is the most populous country in the world, followed by India's uh, number two. The third largest country in the world is, it's not Texas. <laughs> I was in Texas a couple weeks ago, like, Texas, right? No, uh, United States. United States is the third largest country in the world. But the, the fourth largest country in the world, with over 250 million people living there, is this island nation of Indonesia. Isn't that wild? Like we've got all these islands and all these people and most of us didn't even know where this country was. But, but, but here's the thing that's really, that's really captured my wife and I's heart for this country. It's this, that Indonesia is also the largest Muslim country in the world with over 220 million Muslims living in Indonesia alone. I mean, that's more than Iraq, Iran, Syria, uh, Saudi Arabia, all those Middle Eastern countries combined. So we have a huge task in front of us as your Christian missionaries to the country of Indonesia. But here's what we're believing God for. That we really believe that Indonesia will be the first Muslim-majority country to come to Christ. That we're really believing for and believing that will be the first domino to fall. And and one of the ways that's going to happen is by reaching the next generation. And so that's what my wife and I do. We work with Muslim young people. They're young professionals and university students there in Indonesia. And, and I can remember when we landed in Indonesia because, you know, it's not like we can just go there and build a church. You know, it's a Muslim-majority country. So, so you know, because for the most part, Muslim young people are forbidden to even come into a church. And so, so we're, asked, you know, we're praying and thinking, like, like how, do we, how, how do we start something? How do, what, what, what should we do? And we thought, well, let's, let's, open up, let's open up an English center, right? You know, because, like, I'm already fluent in English. You know, like, uh, like I speak English really good, and uh, some of you, no, all right, some of you guys are like, yeah, that boy does speak good English. All right, so, um, so, uh, so that's what we did. So, uh, so when we first arrived in Indonesia ten years ago, we started uh, uh, just tutoring some young Muslims in, in in English, but we'd use the scriptures and the stories of Jesus as our text. And that small group grew into a larger group. We started more groups and grow bigger and bigger. It went from just a handful to twenty to fifty to a hundred. And if you were to come to Indonesia today, you'd see over two hundred and fifty Muslim young people every week gathering together, studying the scriptures, learning about Jesus, committing their lives, being baptized in a attending our churches or in Indonesia, right? And so incredible things are happening already in this Muslim-majority country. And make no mistake about it, friends, you are shareholders in what God is doing in Indonesia. That that through your faith promises and through your missions giving and your prayers, man, that that you are shareholders in what God is is, is doing over there. I almost feel like it's my responsibility this morning uh, as your missionary to say, hey, hey, here's the dividend report. This is the year-end report on what God is doing and all your prayers and your giving. This is the, the impact that it's making on the other side of the world. Here's what the scriptures say about it in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So some plant, some water, but God makes it grow. Everybody say, some plant. Everybody say, some uh, water. But God makes it grow. 
And that's what we see as missionaries in Indonesia, that sometimes we're planting the seeds of faith where there are no Christians, there is no church, there is no gospel witness, and we're, we're planting the seeds for the first time, and sometimes we come alongside seekers and Muslims, and, and we walk beside them and help them discover the, 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 the truths of Jesus, and we're watering those seeds, but it's God who always, always makes it grow. And, and that's what we're seeing as your missionaries in Indonesia, that God always, always makes it grow. And so, so here's what, you know, what, uh, people ask me, you know, what's it like living in Indonesia? But uh, uh, what I like to say is, um, in Indonesia, everyone I know is Muslim. Okay, now let me explain that for, to you. Everyone I know is Muslim, all right? You know, like our neighbors to the left, to the right, across the street, you know, all the people at the work. I mean, everyone we know is Muslim. Oftentimes, we're the first Christians they've ever even met. They, that, that we're the first believers uh, that, that they've ever met in their life. And so, so it's kind of fun for me to, to, to ask my, my Muslim friends, like, uh, what's, what do you know about the, the, the Christmas story? You know, that's one of my favorite questions to ask, because most of them have no idea. And, they're, uh, and so my friend Ganis, I, I was talking to him a year ago, and I said, hey, Ganis, tell me, what do you know about the Christmas story? And he's like, well, Jamie, I, I don't know much. I know that I know you take your socks and you, you put them above a fire. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, and then, then he says, uh, and then he's like, and is it, is it Jesus' cousin Santa Claus that comes and, and brings you? And I'm like, ah! You know, like, ah! Well, that just gives you an idea of how, how lost or how, how unreached parts of Indonesia are. And so, so that's, what we're, that's what we're doing in Indonesia, that oftentimes we're planting, we're watering. But God continues to give the increase. So oftentimes we're asked, you know, Jamie, what's the thing that's, that's changed in you the most since moving to Indonesia? You know, how does, how does a kid from suburban Chicago, from Naperville, you know, you know what, what changes in you when, when you when you move to a foreign country? And I, I think my wife and I would, give you, give both, would, would both give you the same answer. I think we'd both say UPGs. Everybody say UPG. Now, UPGs are not like a grenade launcher, like, look out, UPG. Right. Um, it stands for this, it stands for this. Unreached people groups, unreached people groups, that in Indonesia alone, we have over 220 ethnic groups with 0% Christian. That's, a, that, that's 170 million Muslims who will go their whole life without meeting a Christian, seeing a church, or hearing about Jesus. And this has moved us like nothing else, that, that there are so many different uh, huge groups of people, ethnic groups, these unreached people groups in Indonesia alone that, that have never seen a church, never met a Christian, have no opportunity to hear about Jesus. And it just blows me away in our, in our day of technology and information and travel. That, that, that this, how can this be? That, that, it, that the gospel should be so easily and readily accessible, but for some reason in 2,000 years, the church of Jesus has never been established amongst these people groups. There's not been enough missionaries to, to, to sacrifice enough to establish the church or enough church planters to go there and stay long enough to see the kingdom of God established amongst these ethnic groups. Are we okay with this? Let me make a distinction between the lost and the unreached, okay? The lost and the unreached. The lost are all around us, right? We all have friends and family members who don't know Jesus. And we have schoolmates and co-workers. Man, they're lost. They don't know Jesus. And, and you and I have been empowered by his Holy Spirit to, to, to be a witness, right? That, that, that we pray for him. And Jesus cares about the lost that are, that, that are, that are all around us, man. That, that we pray and we invite them to church and we want them to know Jesus like we know Jesus. So, so Jesus cares about the lost. 
But on my way to church this morning, I passed like seven churches. <laughs> so here in the States, we, we have opportunities to hear about Jesus, right? I mean, you and I are here empowered by his Holy Spirit to, to share about Jesus. So when I talk about the unreached, what I mean is there's no opportunity to hear about Jesus. There is no church. There are no Christians. There's no chance to hear about Jesus. That they'll go their whole life and never see a church, never meet a Christian, never hear about Jesus. And are we okay with that? That there are still huge parts of our world totally untouched, totally unreached with the gospel. And this has moved our hearts like nothing else in the last 10 years. We're like, we got to do something about it. Now, there's a reason why they're unreached. They're hard to reach, right? You know, like, like if they're easy to reach, someone would have reached them already, you know. Uh, uh, people always ask me, Jamie, why, why Indonesia? Why would you choose Indonesia? And my, my silly answer is usually, well, because all the easy places were taken. <laughs> uh, um, my parents love to joke with me. They're like, Jamie, don't they need Jesus in like the Bahamas or something like that? Like we'd come visit you all the time, right? You know, that'd be great. I'd love that, right? But, but it seems to me all the easy places are taken, so all we got now is the hard places left to go. And, and, and for the most part, there, there's two main reasons why they're unreached. Um, these ethnic groups are unreached. It, it, the first one is because sometimes physically or geographically, they're just hard to get to. Like some places of our world are still difficult to get to. So for example, uh, there's an unreached people group. There's an ethnic group in the Maluku Islands. So last year, um, we decided to take a trip to the Maluku Islands um, out in East, uh, East Indonesia. So from our island, we live on the island of Java, we had to take an eight-hour plane, right? Eight hours to the island of Ambon. When we landed in Ambon, we had to get off the, we, you know, got off the plane, we had to take an overnight ferry to the island of Seram. When we landed in Seram, we, had to, we got off the ferry and we had to get on the back of a minibus, which took us, uh, which took us six hours to the interior of Seram. When we got off the bus, we got into the back of a pickup or back of a dump truck, which took us uh, two hours up the side of a volcano to a village that had never had a Christian. There is no church. They never even heard about Jesus in their whole life. We were the first Christians to ever step foot in that village, all right? So sometimes they're unreached because they're just physically hard to get to, all right? Now there's still two more villages villages up that volcano, but we're going to let another missionary take care of those guys, all right? So, um, but, uh, but sometimes they're unreached because they're just, they're just hard to get to. But the second reason why they're unreached is this, is that, that some of these ethnic groups are just really resistant to the gospel. That there's not been enough missionary efforts or sacrifice or church planters to stay with it long enough to establish an outreach in the church amongst those ethnic groups. So one of those ethnic groups in Indonesia is an ethnic group called the Bugis. Everybody say Bugis. Right, the Bugis like the boogeyman. Right? Uh, um, the Bugis. Now this is an ethnic group of six million people. So we're not talking about, oh, let's go reach this little village there. No, we're talking about six million people, 0% Christian. That all of South Sulawesi Island, there are no churches, there are no Christians, there's no chance if you're born into a Bugis family that you will ever hear about Jesus. 
And this has moved us like nothing else. Like, how can this be? And so, so my wife and I, we've taken trips up to South Sulawesi. We've prayed, God, would you send us there? God, we've brought church planners with us. Would you establish a church there in, in South Sulawesi? What do we got to do to reach the boogies? I mean, 0% Christian, how can this be? And so, so I can remember one day into our English center walked a young man, a young guy by the name of Philo. And Philo comes into our, our English center. And I say, Philo, uh, you know, where are you from? He says, well, I'm from South Sulawesi. I'm like, really? Well, well what's your ethnic group? He says, I'm boogies. And I'm like, really? I've been praying for you. No, I didn't say that. He'd have been like, you're weird. Um, but on the inside, I was like, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for the boogies people for all these years. And now one of them has come to our English center. And so I invited Philo to join one of our Bible studies. Philo comes to our Bible study. It's the first Bible study he'd ever been to. He'd never seen the scriptures before. And, and I say to Philo, I say, hey, at the end of the Bible study, I say, Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus with your life? Philo kind of laughs. He says, Jamie, you know I'm Muslim. I can't do that. Okay, no problem, Philo. We'll see you next week at Bible study. Next week, Philo comes to Bible study. And at the end of Bible study, I say, Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus with your life? And he kind of laughs. Jamie, you know I'm Muslim. I can't do that. Okay, no problem, Philo. Uh, we'll see you next week. And Philo comes back the next week. And then Philo always showed up to Bible study, always with, with great questions. Never, never confrontational just always curious. If you've ever had a Bible study with a seeker or a non-believer, you kind of know that, that the questions that they bring are just different than us church folk might bring to the scriptures. So every week he's coming to Bible study, and every week I'm asking the same question. Every week I say, Philo, are you ready to follow Jesus? Life? And every week he laughs and says, Jamie, you know I'm Muslim. I can't do that. And, and this goes on week after week, and it goes on month after month. It goes on for over two years. <laughs> And every week I ask him the same question. And every week he gives me the same answer. Finally, one week, almost, almost out of like rote memory, I'm like, Philo, you ready to follow Jesus with your life? And Philo says to me, Jamie, not yet. What? His answer changed. You know, I, 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 I'm like, I text all our Christians. I'm like, pray for Philo. His answer's finally changed. This is incredible. And so, so we're all praying for Philo that week. And a few days later, I'm awoken at 4 a.m. to a text message. The text message says this, Jamie, I feel like I'm such a sinner and I'm so far from God. I know that you know God. Would you help me to know God like you know God? I'm like, it's four in the morning. I'll call him later. No way, right? You know, I'm up. I'm going to call him right now. We're going to set up an appointment. So I text him. I'm like, Philo, when can we meet? When can we get together? And he comes over later that day. We sit down with the scriptures, and I have my Bible. I give him a Bible, and I walk him through the Romans road. It's kind of an old school way of leading somebody to salvation. And I get to this Bible verse in Romans 10, 13 that says this. It says, It says, Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I say, Philo, that word anyone, does that mean only Americans can call upon the name of the Lord? Or can an Indonesian call upon the Lord and be saved? Of course he nods his head and he's like, Jamie, anyone mean, means anyone. Of course an Indonesian can be saved. I'm like, okay, great, great. Philo, that word anyone, does that mean only, only a Christian can call upon the name of the Lord? Or can a Muslim call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? When I said that, something changed in the room. His head goes down, and I can see his eyes start to water up. And he says, yeah, I guess a Muslim can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. In one of the most emotional moments of my life, I say, Philo, 
Are you ready to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved? Remember him looking up at me, his eyes all red from tears, and he says, yeah, Jamie, I'm ready to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm ready for Jesus to save me. Man, and in that moment, we prayed together, we cried, we hugged, and I thought, wow, a, a child of Ishmael has found salvation, right? That, 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 that a, a son of Islam has been welcomed home into the family of God, and I couldn't help but think, wow, what if Philo is the first of millions to unlock the gospel to the Boogies people? What if he's the one, maybe I could never go there, but what if he's the one who steps back into his family and to his village and his hometown, and he's the first Christian to ever bring bring the gospel to them, and he's the first of millions to come to faith, all because a church in Springfield said, we believe in missions. We're going to send this guy out to Indonesia. And if you've ever wondered, does your missions money make a difference? Does your faith promise really have an impact? My simple answer would be, uh, yeah, it's making a huge impact in Indonesia. Just ask Philo. He'd be the first to say, thank you, Calvary, for believing in missions. Thank you for sending missionaries. You see, sometimes we have to plant the seeds where they've never been planted. Sometimes we water the seeds, and it takes two years for it to come to fruition. But it's God who always, always, always brings the increase. That's what we do. If you've ever wondered, what do your missionaries do? That's what we do. And here's what you do. You send us. If you don't give, we don't, no, let me flip that. Because you give, we can go. And that's why Calvary Springfield takes two weeks a year to focus on global outreach. Because we believe in reaching our neighborhoods, but we also say there's a world out there who needs to know Jesus. And your faith promise, when, when you have this opportunity to pray this week about God, what is my, what, I want to have some skin in the game. You know, I don't want to just hear about missions. I don't want to just pray for missions. I want to have, I want to invest. I want to be a part of what, uh, what, what God is doing. I want to be, I want to be in on this, God. That's what your faith promise does. It says, I'm going to pray, and what I hear from God, or however much I want to give to missions, I'm going to make that commitment to be in on this. And that's what faith promises. It's you saying, I want in on this. I want to hear more stories of Philo's coming to faith. I don't want to be embarrassed someday in heaven when I see other nations uh, uh, celebrating in heaven and, and I played no part in it. Faith promises saying, yeah, I want in. I'm a part of what God is doing. And that's what you do. Because you give, we can go. When you go above and beyond your tithe, you send us to the nations, and guys like Philo and the Boogies ethnic group become reached. When you walked in today, you, uh, you received a flashlight. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you to hold it for a moment, and in, in, in just a moment, we're going to kind of do a closing illustration to kind of talk about what this, what this means. So just kind of keep it off for a moment, and I'll kind of give you a cue, or you'll see the cue of kind of when to turn it on. But, uh, but I was thinking about you know, as a missionary, you know, we kind of go out there and we, we're kind of, we shine our light kind of on, on our own. But uh, all morning we've been talking about missions kind of being over there, right? But really, how many of you guys know that missions really begins here in your home? <laughs> begins in uh, your workplace, in your community, and at your schools. 
So a single light shining on its own. And it doesn't really make, make all that much of a difference. But all of a sudden, when that single light touches another life, and that light begins to shine, and that light begins to shine, and that light begins to shine, and then they pass it on to their friends and their neighbors and their co-workers, all of a sudden that light of Jesus begins to shine begins to go down the aisles and down the rows. So go ahead as you kind of get your flashlight tapped by the person next to you. It's kind of a way of saying this is how the kingdom of God works. It's not just me standing here as a lone light trying to light up and change the atmosphere of Springfield. But man, when your light shines and you tap it and you pass it to a person to your left and you pass the light to the person on your right, all of a sudden you're not standing alone. All of a sudden the atmosphere of Springfield begins to change. All of a sudden Calvary Temple doesn't become a church that just has activities at it, but it becomes a, 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 a source of light, becomes a blessing to its community. And really that's what missions is, right? It's learning how to be a blessing, not just to the nations, but to your neighbors. And that's what you do when you make a commitment to follow Jesus. That you don't stand and shine, shine a light by yourself, but you shine it with others. And pretty soon, the whole atmosphere is changed. Suddenly the church looks different. Our city looks different. Our nation looks different. And our world looks different. So let's close today by this. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning because I want to say a prayer of blessing over this church because I see a lot of empty seats still in this church and I believe that this is the year that God wants to use you to shine your light to this community, that there are friends and neighbors and family members waiting for you to shine your light to them. That you don't need to wait for the church to come up with enough creative programming or, or the right event, but it's you, the Holy Spirit work through you that you shine your light. And so as I say this prayer before Pastor Mark comes and closes us, if, you're gonna, if you'd say, Pastor Jamie, man, I want to be used this year. I have some philos in my life, right? And you've been witnessing, you've been sharing, you've been inviting, and it's been over two years, and you're wondering, God, when is the breakthrough going to come? Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year that your philo, that your friend comes to faith in Jesus. So if you would say, Jamie, I want to be used by God this year, go and lift your light up to the Lord. Kind of lift your hand up to the Lord and say, God, pick me. Choose me. God, you see all these lights that are lifted. You see these hands that are up in the air saying, God, pick me. Choose me. This is the year of salvation for my friends. This is the year that this church gets filled. This seat to my left, this seat to my right, the row in front of me. God, fill this place with my friends, with my neighbors, my co-workers. God, God, let my light shine, not just on the other side of the world, but here at home in my neighborhood. God, bring the, the, the prodigal son or daughter home this year, God, who's wandered off. God, bring that co-worker into the fold, into church this year, God. Change our schools for Jesus this year. You see our lights, God. Pick me, choose me, God, to change the atmosphere 
so that I can shine brighter this year. Use us as a church. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody says together, amen and amen. Pastor Mark, come on up and close us down today. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jamie. You appreciate Jamie today and his word for us. You can be seated. I, I want to remind you, our missionaries will be out in the entryway. They have booze out there. Go by and see them and meet them. You've gotten the brighter uh, pamphlets that we pass out, and you can learn a lot about what we've done this year. Uh, by taking those and reading those. If you didn't get one, make sure you get one before you go. That'll just give you a lot of information about the things that we've been able to do all around the world and the things that are coming up uh, this week that we want to invite you to come and be a part of and to share in. And one of the things, for those of you who come here all the time, we've given you one of the brighter above and beyond missions, faith, promise uh, cards. And we're, we're not asking you to fill that out today. We're asking you to take that home with you and pray about it this week. Uh, we want you not to, we, we, want you, we want to get stirred up and hear stories like Philo's to drive us to prayer. That's what we want you to hear those for. We want to be a church that prays for the people of the world. But as you're praying, ask God what he would have you to do. And maybe some of you in this room will go on one of our missions trips with us. We have several already planned. Uh, and you want to know about those, see Renee. We'd love for you to go. And I, I just want to challenge you. If you've never been on one of our missions trips, will you just seriously pray about sometime in the next five years going someplace and serving for a period of time, a week or two weeks? Uh, seriously pray about that and say, God, what would you have me to do? And then the other thing we want you to pray about is, God, what would you have me do financially this year as you've blessed me? How would you have me be a blessing to the nations? And this is a faith promise. How does God lay it upon your heart to give to support missions works all around the world? Now you talk and we say, well, why, why is all this so important? Well, we believe fundamentally that when you ask Christ into your life and you begin to trust him with your life, that it changes you. He changes you. You begin to see other people different. Men begin to see women differently. Women begin to see men differently. We begin to see other races differently. We, we begin to get transformed in the way we see things, the way we feel about things, the way we do things. And when that happens, our lives get changed and other lives get changed. All the suffering, all the things we see going on in the world today, are a symptom of our brokenness and our separation from God and Him not speaking in our lives. The things we've seen happen in, in our country in the last week, some of the terrible things we've seen happen. And one political party has one answer and the other political party has another answer and all of their answers are dealing with just the surface issue and doesn't get down to the real issue. When you take God out of people's lives, you take the presence of God out of people's lives, terrible things can happen. We need the touch of Christ in our lives. And suffering that's going on around the world doesn't happen when people become followers of Christ. Now, you sit and say, that's, that's an important thing. It is. 
But there's something even more important than that. Jesus made this statement. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now that's either a true statement or it's a lie. Jesus said, there's not another way. You're not going to get there by another faith. You're not going to get there by another belief. The only way to stand before God forgiven, the only way to stand before God and to receive his grace is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. We believe every living soul needs to hear that message. We believe it's the most important decision any person will ever make. And we want to support missionaries to go out around the world and share that message with people because we believe that when people hear that message, the Holy Spirit will draw them. It comes back to our very mission statement that we have as a church that says we want to compel everyone in central Illinois to seriously consider the claims of Christ and to support ministries around the world that do the same thing. Because we believe that when we say that and when we when we get people to think about what Christ claimed to be, the Holy Spirit will draw them to an, to an eternal decision that will change their lives on this earth and change them for all eternity. It's our job, as we've held up our light today, to do that in our community. And I want to make sure today that as you've come into this place and you've heard us talk about Philo and you've heard us talk about Christ around the world and you hear this message, that you examine your life closely and you ask yourself, have, have I ever called on the name of the Lord? The promise is everyone who calls on his name, from the youngest to the oldest, whatever background we come from, whatever race we come from, whatever nationality that we come from, if we call on the name of the Lord, the promise is we will be saved. Have you done that? Let's bow our heads today and let's pray. Father, in this next few moments, I just pray you'd speak to us. As believers challenge us this week to let our hearts beat like your heart, let our eyes see like your eyes see. Let our ears begin to hear, Father, the way you'd have us to hear. And let us, Father, have that spirit of generosity and kindness to pray for others and to give to make a difference all around the world. But Lord, today I take this moment and I pray for those in this room that if there's anyone here today who's not called on the name of the Lord, not called on the name of Jesus. That, Father, they would feel the tug of your spirit upon their hearts today. And that, Father, right now, in this very moment, they would call on him and ask him to come into their life. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. As every head's bowed and every eye closed. Just say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need to call on the name of the Lord today. I want to make sure that when I stand before God, I stand there, not on my own merit, but on the work that Jesus has done. I want to put my faith in his name. If that's you, we'd say pray for me. You know, here's the good news, friend. God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. 
Here's the good news, that when we begin to live for God, He begins to change our life. And it's not a bad thing. We don't give anything up. We gain everything. So that's what the enemy wants you to think. If you, oh, if I begin to follow God, I begin to give my life to Christ. Look at all the things I've got to give up. You, what you discover is you've given up a bunch of poison that's been wrecking your life, and you discover life to the full that comes in Christ. It is good news, and it's good for you when you surrender your life to Christ. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. And while we're praying, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come on down front. Wherever you're at, guys, come on, guys, guys, come on down. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. And those of you who raised your hand, you pray it along with, uh, with everyone else. We're just going to call in the name of the Lord this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I call on the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Today, I put my faith in Jesus' name to be my Savior. I put my faith in Jesus' name to be my Lord. Now I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, friends, you came here today and you're a Christian, but you've got some problems in your life, maybe some health issues, big decisions, struggles in your family financial problems in your life, we believe prayer makes a difference. Don't leave this place without letting somebody pray with you. I want to invite you as we sing this song just to step out, come down to the altar, and let one of our prayer teams take a few minutes just tell them, hey, I'm, I'm going through a financial crisis or I need to make a big decision or we're having some struggles in our home. And they'll pray with you. We believe God's going to do miracles. We've been praying for miracles. We've seen miracles. And we, want to, we believe God's going to move in your behalf today. Now, if you raised your hand to ask Christ into your life today, I want to ask you to step out and join those others that are coming down and let somebody pray with you. There's something about that physical step of coming and letting somebody pray with you that's going to help you get on the right pathway of following Christ. And we want to help you get there too. The enemy's going to try to rob that seed out of your heart. We want to make sure it's planted solidly and help you grow in Christ. So you step out and you come as well. Hey, we want you to know God loves you. We love you. And as we work together, we can help, we can spread the message of Christ and plant that seed, water that seed, so God will bring a harvest. Amen? God bless you today.